You're good. Thumbs up. Let's Pop. do this. Let's do this. We're in for a wild night. <laughs> Welcome, 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 everybody, to episode 133 of Born to be Wild, a wild exclusive Hearthstone podcast where we have fun hanging out with friends, talking about the wild format of Hearthstone and spotlighting members of the wild community. I'm your host, as always, Nate Wolf. It is great to be back on another beautiful uh, Friday evening here, joining you from my mom and dad's house uh, in Orange County, California. And uh, joined by some very good friends. Very happy to be here tonight and still a little bit discombobulated from all the moving. Uh, probably will be a little out of sorts for the next uh, month or or so until we're in our new place. But uh, very happy to be here tonight. We've got a lore episode um, for you. We're going to be talking about the one and only Yog saron and uh, joined by some very good friends here. Um, so I will uh, in- introduce them all uh, in good order. So Hydralisk, welcome back. How are you? Hey, thank you. Very glad to be here once again. Hydralisk coming at you all from Zeris, somewhere in the middle of the Milky Way. I'm <laughs> glad to be here after a very long week of work and studying and all work and no play makes Hydralisk a very dull Zerg. So I'm really happy to be here with... Uh, all of my great friends, and we can learn about some things tonight. So I'm stoked. Yay. Blue Train, uh, welcome back. It's always great to have you. And I wanted to say a very gigantic thank you for hosting the show tonight. Um, I my, my current internet situation is like really terrible Wi-Fi, and I cannot stream the show uh, for probably another month or so. So uh, Sheep has been doing it recently, and... Um, we'll, we'll get everyone sorted out soon, but I really appreciate you um, coming through. It's always great to hang out and chat, but also for, for hosting tonight. It's a, a huge um, favor, and uh, I definitely owe you. So welcome back, though. It's, it's great to have you. How are you? I'm great. Two weeks in a row. First time co-hosting a lore episode with Goliath. While we've had the pleasure of interacting a few times in the past, the first time we're doing it in official capacity. So, you know. Uh, and I just broke uh, Schmoopy Daddy's pyramid in the chat using the official Born to Be Wild account. So uh, suck it. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> oh, this is great. We have two Canadians in one night. That's incredible. Two weeks in a row. Wow. I know. Well, very happy to have you back. And I wanted to welcome back our returning lore master, Goliath the Dwarf. Thank you so much. It's it's great to have you um, back, as, as always. And we'll hear some great stories tonight. How are you doing? Uh, doing pretty good overall, I'd say. Um, I am currently uh, dealing with some uh, uh, 19 uh, degrees Fahrenheit weather here in uh, Cascade, Iowa. And I am all uh, bundled up in my uh, nice warm uh, uh, fleece uh, sweatshirt and uh, sweatpants and just very much focused. I thought on turning the heat up in my home for a long time because utility bills, but this past week it was just like, no, I I can't do this anymore. It's officially (laughs) the heater season. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, I know. Don't don't freeze. Yeah, you gotta keep warm. <laughs> I was gonna. I was trying to see if I could see your breath there, but uh... <laughs> nope. The the cold, right? It's just in time for uh, March of the Lich King. Yes, they did a perfect timing with that. I'm pretty sure that was intentional. It must have been. 
funny. Uh, Sheep will not be with us tonight uh, doing some family stuff, but Sheep should be back um, next week. And uh, and then we'll be back to business as as usual. But I'm still happy to be here with with all of our friends. And we've got a great, great show for you tonight. We'll, uh, we'll jump into the news, try to kind of blast through it relatively quickly because we've got a lore episode. And... And we want to give that um, the the focus of our attention tonight. So, so for those of you joining us for the first time, welcome aboard. Let me briefly explain how this show works. We record this podcast live every Friday evening at twitch.tv slash born to be wild HS. And the video version of this podcast is then posted to YouTube shortly thereafter. Audio versions are also distributed to all podcast apps. However, you're, you're watching, listening, or absorbing via osmosis this podcast today thank you yes you yes thank you so much everybody for joining us uh extra big special thank you to the folks who are watching us live on twitch right now it's really fun to interact with everybody um live in chat while we're doing the show and um you know hearing everybody's uh you know seeing everyone's feedback and, and everything so we really appreciate you um donating your time on Friday evening when you could be out doing anything else and you have chosen to spend it with us. So uh, big, big, big thank you to everybody. Also wanted to say a very big thank you to Shokunin, who's the executive producer of our show, and also to the other patrons of our show. We really appreciate your support. We're working on a fun new art project uh, to co- coincide with the Born to be Wild theme, but with the new Death Knight stuff, and it should be a lot of fun once it's finished. Um, if you are interested in supporting us, Uh, You can like, comment, subscribe to our stuff on YouTube. You can leave feedback um, on any of uh, the podcast apps, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever your podcast platform of choice is. Um, If you're somebody who uses Twitch, we do have emotes that you can unlock for free uh, just by following. There are some additional ones that you can get by subscribing, which is free if you've got Amazon Prime. Uh, If you're interested in checking out more of our content, our past stuff, other lore episodes, um, or any merch or anything like that, we do have a website. It's borntobewildhs.com, and links to all of that stuff is there. Uh, Finally, we do have a a Discord server if you're interested in interacting with any of us personally that you can join. It's free, it's fun, and with the uh, potential impending destruction of Twitter, where we all hang out. Um, <laughs> Discord may be the good place to uh, interact with us. So links to the uh, uh, the Discord channel, the the YouTube, all of our past uh, lore episodes and other archive stuff, the merch shop, it's all online at our website, borntobewildhs.com. Again, borntobewildhs.com. All right, that's the housekeeping. So we do have some news uh, to go over tonight that, that we'll hit before we jump into the lore segment which will be the bulk of our show but uh did want to go through a couple of things so last week i was kind of lamenting that i hadn't had much time to play wait mate you don't have the button so i just want to do something welcome to the news the no! news is so good <laughs> <laughs> oh a special live version oh, oh it's live. so good that's <laughs> it i'm, I'm canceling <laughs> I stopped recording streams downward. <laughs> it's going to be stuck in your head all night. It is. That was a very convincing performance, Hydra. So, uh, you know, speaking <laughs> about the news. So, yeah, Nate, mm. you're, you're the subject matter of news item number one. Yeah, yeah. So last week I was kind of lamenting that I didn't have a lot of time to play. Uh, to play Hearthstone, I had been kind of um, neglecting the game at 
I've been I've had my attention diverted a little bit between a Marvel Snap and God of War and I was trying to my Hearthstone time had been spent doing the limited time stuff so I was doing the Battlegrounds uh event I was doing the uh, the Mercenaries Rattlegore stuff and uh anyways I got around to hitting legend over the weekend I used Fish Rogue I I, I tried using Secret Mage and it just was not working for me um I did okay but I didn't want to tank my rank and uh, I, I played one game of Even Shaman and I lost. And I was like, nope, not happening. <laughs> and I switched over <laughs> to uh, to Fish Rogue and wrote it, uh, what is it, 73% to Legend 22 and 8. Uh, it was great. I came in at rank 105. And uh, I, I had a pretty smooth ride. I did it all in one sitting. I just It was over last weekend and uh, it was great. Um, well done. Thank you. I got the, the, the coveted Neon retweet and the... That was, it's always a pleasure. You also got so, the, uh, uh, we both, both you and I, we got the top decks bump this month too. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I was, uh, very excited about that. And it's always fun. I was going to say, I can't take credit for the list. I got it from Tempo Storm. Uh, I, I keep saying that every time they, they'll retweet, like, oh, I think, I oh, think at this point, you know. the, the version that you're running, although people run the craziest things in this deck, is kind of the stock list from like when it was like seeing a lot of play. And, and my mm -hmm. recommendation is, guys, look in the mirror, take a good look at yourself, and, and ask yourself, do you want to be that guy that plays Starfish? Are you that guy that wants to play Eater of Secrets? Are you that guy that wants to play Cobalt Sticky Fingers? I think there's a Starfish enjoyer in our chat right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Sticky um, Fingers is fun. Not anymore. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> the stock so, list is, is just super solid. It, I think so. You know, early on we were not running Cutlass Courier because it, it felt a little bit clunky, but it seems it seems good. Um, it, somebody had mentioned, like somebody had commented on one of the tweets how like, oh, it's that's a thirty card list. I was like, yeah, <laughs> it's a thirty and, card list. It, perish the thought, <laughs> <laughs> right? And I was like, I don't. I think where you and I, Blue, really see eye to eye is. What I'm looking for when I play, I want consistency. I'm not a fan of one ofs, yeah. and I know with the legendaries you can, you know. So it's got two legendaries. It's got Mister Smite and it's got Patches. Aside from that, it's all two of two of everything, and I like it because of the consistency. This is super consistent, and it was fast. Um, like th this climb was really fast, and I, I really appreciate that consistency. It's short games, win fast, lose fast. <laughs> right i mean that's that's pretty much how it works though the tricky piece here i think i had three final le like legend bosses I, I went on the i had a 12 game win streak which was cool i had already unlocked that achievement a while back um but i, I got the 12 win uh, game win streak again this time which was really cool um and then hit a kind of a, a little bump um right at the very end but it was fine and yeah, no, I, I had an enjoyable time and I was playing a lot. My son started playing, was like, oh, I want to play. Can you, can you coach me? And so I had asked like, are you, you know, for real? Like you, you serious? You want to like learn? Cause I, I can teach you if you want to learn. And, and he's like, yeah, what do you, you know, what do you want to play? I want to play secret mage. Okay. So we looked at his cards and we put together a, a deck based on what he had. And, um, I did a little write up of. The, the synergies between the cards and when to play them and when not to and what to look for and the different combos and, and stuff like that. 
And um, I, I wanted to avoid, like, I wasn't just telling him what to play, like play this, then play mm-hmm. this, then play this. It was like, hey, let's look at what they're playing. Let's look at our options. We have, t- you know, two mana. What could you play with that? You know, what do you see here? And uh, we did that for a couple of days. He had a 19-game win streak, which was phenomenal. I can't, like, it, I can't even believe it. Um, he was so yeah, upset because uh, he lost game 20, and uh, it was like, it was unwinnable. It was like, uh-huh. it was like a Reno Shutterwalk Shaman that went on its this infinite loop. And um, I hate those so much. You know, I think he was <laughs> fatiguing because he had uh, Aluneth, and it was just, it's not going to happen. And um, had to kind of learn that difficult lesson. I, I, I put up that uh, Picard picture that, you know, you sometimes you can do everything right and still lose. Uh, that's not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's just life. Um, I'm butchering the quote, but uh, you know what I mean? What is we it? We know the one you mean. It's uh, it's right here in my, it's uh, okay. It, it is possible to commit no mistakes and still lose. That is not a weakness. That is life. There you go. Captain Jean-Luc Picard from Star Trek, the next generation life lessons there but it we had a great time he's playing right now so his previous best was like gold 10 or something i don't remember he just hit he just he just messaged me in discord he just hit diamond seven with no. Z, like no star bonus it's crazy um and so I, i'm very proud dad moment over here uh so we'll be playing more hearthstone this weekend but i'm i'm excited uh very very fun and so yeah, we've been doing a lot of Hearthstone in my family uh, over the past week. That's really cool. While um, you were coaching your son, Ben from work was coaching me. <laughs> Rockwell, well, you know, playing some uh, like Mechathune or I know we were playing ben, Mechathune. Lately. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. We went five and two uh, when we were playing, and actually one of the wins was with the completely wrong list that Ben says he doesn't play anymore. I queued the wrong <laughs> one, uh, but we won with it, so it was fine. Hey. Um, yeah, he's the Mechathune master. Um, I still need more reps with the deck. It's not the traditional Mechathune that I'm used to, so I'm going to be playing it some more. I love Ben. Ben has a lot of unconventional takes on Hearthstone, and I like that. I think that you know it's a unique perspective, and uh, I don't know. It's interesting, because I'm sure whatever his list is is different than whatever you'll find on Tempo Storm. Yeah. But that's, I mean, he's one of the best players that, like is in the game so rock and roll i I love doing co-ops it's always so much more fun climbing with other people just to make the the trip more enjoyable so awesome ben gets away with a lot being ben uh you wouldn't catch me dead playing mechathune lock although even when it was probably a good deck i wouldn't be playing it anyways i i did what you did nate one day start to finish uh i did even shaman same list you know a homogenous 30 just sailed sometimes you just want to turn your brain off you sailed with pirate rogue <laughs> no nate sailed with pirate rogue. i played i sailed i sailed with the with the bar with barber pole shaman <laughs> you had a couple tech cards though yeah right you you were using uh the colt neophyte yeah i i ran the 30 that uh nhl and corb uh recommended and and i ran the cult neophytes because uh in 11x especially at the beginning of the month Everyone was playing the new the new hotness, which is the Miracle Rogue, the one that's not running Maestro, oh. runs like mailbox dancers and stuff. Basically, they just play a bunch of like giant minions on turn three and turn four and just knock you over. So Cult Neophyte's really good because even just that that little stall 
uh, will completely throw their game plan. And in my climb, I went 9-0 and versus Rogue. To be fair, it was a mix of Pillager, Pirate, and uh, Miracle. Didn't matter. The Neophytes were clutch in all of them. Um, even they Pirate, just because, you know, they can't Passage, they can't Cutlass, they can't... Yeah, you know, it still, still puts a little wrinkle in their game plan. So I, I think at this point I wouldn't run the Neophytes because I think Rogue's kind of had its day. But uh, yeah, you know, knowing your meta can really... Really help uh, get you get you over the yeah. Over the hump. I actually struggled against even shaman. Um, it, it's it's hard as as the pirate rogue. I loved seeing rogue because they were building a like cool like you've got a twenty five twenty five Edwin, <laughs> and then I just smash you in the face for fifteen. And, like okay, <laughs> the, the even shaman game plan against uh, pirate rogue is very nuanced and complicated. So I'll try and break it down for your audience, Nate, so that they too can learn the deep mysteries of beating Pirate Rogue with Even Shaman. Alright, here it is. If you have a card in your hand that's not Chisel, throw it back until you get Chisel. You play Chisel <laughs> against Pirate Rogue on curve, they lose. If you play against Pirate Rogue and you don't have Chisel, you may still win, but it will not be a foregone conclusion. I like foregone conclusions. Uh, I find that people don't mulligan for Chisel aggressively enough. The only card that I'd maybe keep if I don't get the Chisel is maybe Thing from Below. And even then, there were times where I'd have a good hand and there was no Chisel in it, and uh, I was encouraged to, to chuck it. So, anyways, that's that's the that's the deep mystery of mastering Even <laughs> Shaman. Right? I remember doing the co-op with, with 6J, and Jay was saying, like, we were doing mulligan strategies. Is it Chisel? No, throw it back. Like, there you go. There's the mulligan strategy. And uh like sailed to legend that month with even shaman. So that's that's the strategy. It's a very good card. I think it's it's underwhelming to look at until you've started playing with it. Like it's it's really good. So I, I just wanna remark before we move on to our next topic that uh there was a comment made in chat that should forever be immortalized. For chisel <laughs> for the chisel. <laughs> or shizzle for the chisel. Thank you, Ari. Wow. <laughs> All right. Great. So moving right along. Um had some show matches this week, uh showcasing some of the new cards. So uh, Nate, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I don't know anything about it because they uh streamed it <laughs> while I was at work and uh they never posted it to YouTube. So uh, yeah, so so two nights or two days this week they um had the March of the Lich King Death Knight showcase matches where they had streamers playing against each other. Uh, I believe it was um, some casting by uh, Slissa and Garrett from uh, the Angry Chicken, right? And uh, yeah, I don't know. They haven't posted them on YouTube. I'm super bummed about that because um, Sheep found the uh, the Twitch vods and they're it's like available. seven hours long or something like that. Yeah, for the, the whole vod. They were so, streaming that stuff all day, man. Did yeah. you watch any of it, Goliath? Um. More like I uh, put it in the background and on mute in order to try to get the free packs. But unfortunately, no, no I didn't actually end up getting them because apparently the, the Twitch kept pausing on me when I was in another window. So, oh, no. Oh, yeah, I don't know. what. Ha so I didn't actually get any free packs, unfortunately. But um, I tried. I may check out the VODs, but I... Well, before I move on, like this actually, I'm going to skip the next news thing and go to the, the next one because it segues well. But like, did anyone else, did you watch them at all? 
I didn't. Yeah. It was like it was during the the work day, and I tried at night when I got home and I saw the length of the the vod. <laughs> I no. scrolled through it and I was like, I don't know. Until somebody breaks it up into highlights, uh, I'm not gonna watch it. Yeah, unfortunately. It, just when check the website for the card reveals at that point. You know, I mean, the reason why because they're revealing cards at the the same time. It's in kind of a semi new way of revealing it. And that's why you would watch it mainly is for the tension of, oh, when are we going to get to see a new card? But if it's after the stream is over, you know, they posted them to the website and, you know, like the community sites have them up. So just look there. It doesn't take seven hours. Yeah, I just wanted to see like it's fun to hear the voice lines and watch the, the animations and see the interactions and stuff like there. it seemed cool. Uh, I was disappointed that it, it hasn't made its way to YouTube, although I, I'm sure it probably will at some point. If if it really is like seven, eight hours long per day, then they probably need to edit them into segments. I don't know. Maybe they won't at all. I'm not sure. What I heard, uh, and again, they did these during the work, the normal like eight to five work day during the week. Um, and I, I so I couldn't watch. But uh, what I heard overwhelmingly was that... Um, Renathal and Denathrius like stole the show. Denathrius oh. in particular, that like people were making forty card decks. Denathrius was like the cards were underwhelming, but Denathrius was winning games. And um, oh no! So uh, so there's a tweet here from Aleko <laughs> from uh, the Hearthstone design team. It says I've gotten a lot of questions about Renathal and Daddy D, meaning Denathrius, <laughs> over the past couple of days. So I just want to reiterate what Celestalon is saying here. Don't worry, Final Design has their eyes on both these cards. So Celestalon, uh, let me back up. This was like a, a retweet. So Celestalon, also from the Hearthstone dev team, says when you're in this no aggro, mega greedy micro meta, it's a perfect storm for Denathrius being strong. Um, Denathrius may be in need of a nerf anyway. I don't, I don't see the rest of the tweet, but. This is stemming from this um, these showcase matches. Uh, so then the other part of, of the tweet here says that we think this event's limited card pool probably skewed the power levels of these two cards, but we also want to make sure the new expansion launch is fresh and interesting. We made sure to have a balance change window available shortly after expansion launch, and we're ready to make immediate adjustments to these cards or any others if need be. What I don't like here, and I responded and... and uh, some people responded to me, but my question was, is the thought to nerf the card not because it's overpowered, but because you don't want it to be played when the new set comes out? Because I don't really like that philosophy. Like, So I think we're all reading a little bit too much into this because these cards evoke a lot of passion. I mean, <laughs> I, I spent the first part of uh, September trying to get... Uh, um or october whenever the set came out uh hashtag reneth health trend right. um, sorry did you say invoke by the way <laughs> did i i don't i don't know anyways send of dragons <laughs> did you just have the uh play 30 invoke or that's infused cards never mind oh infuse <laughs> yeah i mean infuse so I, I, think... I was trying to be funny and it failed so <laughs> i think that the difference between baku gen and Dena and denathrius is that people like denathrius nobody liked baku and gen and so <laughs> a lot of people really like the card and i think they're trying to like have their cake and eat it too they're trying to keep it in the game because people like it but they also don't want it to be dominating because that will be boring like it's not it's not that they want to sell more cards which don't get me wrong they do 
But think about sets like Rastakhan's Rumble being the most famous one or the Grand Tournament. Like, nobody wants to get a new set and nothing be playable, right? So you have mm-hmm. a fine line bounce. I want to go back, though, to the original Celestalon tweet because I think they're pretending something very important here. When you're in a no-aggro, mega-greedy micro-meta, not so micro, but I will agree that there was no-aggro and it was giga-greedy. So perhaps they're hoping to fix this by introducing very, uh, very two patches on a hero power is is yeah, <laughs> like it's it's looking like the aggro is going to be coming back, and maybe that'll be enough to like you know keep Denathrius in check. Because as much as I groan and moan about Denathrius and Wild, I mean, look, Nate, you played Aggro Rogue, which is a very set deck that like has limited damage output, and you were knocking over those forty health. Uh, Heroes just fine. Mm-hmm. If aggro's got game, then the extra ten health just becomes another thing that you have to work into your game plan. So I, I don't know. I will they nerf it? I think they're gonna they're gonna do what they say, keep an eye on it. But I I don't think it's I guess in in conclusion TLDR they're not doing this out of any malfeasance or like nefarious scheme. If anything, it's wishful thinking and incompetence, which. I don't know if that's better. Maybe that's a little bit harsh. But I think the intentions are good, and I think that's important. They want the new set to be relevant. They want it to be exciting, and they don't want it to be dominated by the last set's card. And I think everyone can agree that that's that's reasonable, right? The problem is is that that there's so much goodwill that's been lost over the last little while that, you know, one would be forgiven of kind of jumping to a more glass-half-empty... Is that a reason to nerf a card, though? Because we don't want you guys to play it so much? Like... I'd like to put in on that point, actually, coming at things from a, a very different perspective than you guys. Uh, I think that for me, I when I play a legendary card, I like that card to feel legendary, especially mm-hmm. if it's a character that me coming from the lore perspective that I know existing the story and especially when they do a good job at marrying the card's effects with like the character's powers or something and uh denathrius in particular feels very fitting they did an amazing job with that partly because they invented a whole new keyword that fit the theme of the set and everything when they have nerfs like this that can meddle with that marriage of the feeling of that satisfaction when you play that legendary card we all know not all legendary cards feel amazing when you play them sometimes you kind of wonder why they're legendary but uh ones like denathrius really hit the ball out of the park for me and i really don't want that taken away to be perfectly honest it meddles with the uh large chunk of the fun uh and I'm sure there are probably other people who feel like I do. I can't be the single uh, original in the world who plays Hearthstone this way. Uh, my guess is most of them just are not, uh, you know, on social media a ton. Well, I, pretty. Safe. That's a really, that's a really good point. I'm thinking back to when I was newer in the game and I didn't have all the cards that I have now, and I opened a legendary. And you're like, yes, I got it. Like, and I, I can't wait to slam this card. And like that feeling, uh, that's that's really good. I, I really appreciate you saying that because it makes me, you know, really think about those times where I was very excited. Like I opened that, I earned that card, I got it. I was so excited when I opened it. And I finally built that deck 
And then sometimes when they nerf things, your deck can be gone, right? Yeah. But unfortunately, this... Fortunately, I should say, um, this is the type of card that you can kind of throw in sort of any deck. <laughs> so it's not like a class legendary or whatever but yeah, yeah you don't um, really slam it it kind of does its little dance <laughs> <at the beginning. laughs> well and honestly i i think that the reason that neither of these two cards got nerfed yet is because kind of like goliath was saying they're so iconic to this set like renathal and denathrius are the theme for castle nathria like you if you nerf them like it spoils the theme of the the whole set but once the new set comes out, like they're not in the spotlight anymore, so maybe it's more agreeable to to do that. Then, I mean, I, I I can't tell you how many times I've lost to like Brand and Athreas, you know, or or whatever it was, and and been all upset. Um, so what you're saying and, is that it's far easier to assassinate someone in the shadows. <laughs> I, think uh, what, I think what Nate's yes. trying to say is everybody thinks they want to control meta until they actually get one. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, especially as a as a aggro noob uh, player, there's nothing like getting a forty card uh, opponent down to one health, and they, uh, you know, brand Denathrius and kill you from full health. It's like, oh, that's that was fun. Well, even so, in standard, you wouldn't even get them to one health. But I digress. So it'll be interesting to see what they do here. I, I think that the big difference between Bakugan and and this is that this was a lot more of a I don't want to say it was a success, but uh, in terms of design or not, but in terms of like capturing the imagination of gamers and players, like this is, uh, you know, people love their 40 card greed piles. I mean, yeah, people well, and... like to express their creativity through deck building. It's kind of hard to do that in Hearthstone. You've got the 30 card cap and the two ofs, right? You know, unlike Magic mm -hmm. or Pokemon, where you've got like the 60 card decks twice as big. And this kind of yeah. opens up that space, and 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 people people really took to it, and and so you even see in many cases play rates higher than win rates would inform. Uh, so it kind of goes back to that argument, which we probably don't want to go down that rabbit hole tonight. Where do you nerf based on feels or raw power or both or none? Yeah. And uh, I'll I'll just say this: they are in a tough spot because if I were them, I would want people to enjoy the new cards and not re-experience the same thing they experienced in Castle Nathria. If that means, unfortunately, in Standard's case, they're going to have to do something about Denathrius, you know, they're going to have a choice. Do they rotate it early? And one of the replies you got, Nate, was Hat basically saying they've done that four times, two of which were really noticeable. It kind of would be breaking with past precedent, especially when you'd be just, you know, unfortunately, the reality is that you take the card out of Standard, less people are going to play it in wild than they would if you kept it in a in, in a in a diminished state and standard so it's kind of like a yeah a tough one right i i see both sides of the argument i guess i guess what my feeling is is like if you're gonna nerf it nerf it because it's it's you know a power level outlier but if they're nerfing it for the sole reason of we don't want people to play it so much because too many people are playing it, like that seems like a bad reason to me. So what uh, I'm hearing you say then is hashtag unnerf raid the docs. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and give patches charge back while you're at it. Put, put patches um, back in charge. And put demon seed back in wild. 
Nope. Wow, well, funny no. word. I am really wait, excited wait minute, to see. I'm really oh, excited to see. Is that not see. the direction we were going in? Well, they said <laughs> they said after they said after it rotates, they're gonna bring it back, and that's that's coming up this spring. So uh, hold on to your butts. It'll be kind of <laughs> kind of excited to see what they're gonna do. Um, yeah, that's that's great. All right. Well, I, we could go around in circles on this all night, but let's talk about some more. There's one last thing that I want to touch on real quick, and I think we're going to get into it more next week. Um, but some interesting news uh, from a contract perspective of, of all things, um, Blizzard and uh, NetEase um, suspending game services in China. And so essentially what this means is like Blizzard properties. Uh, so your Hearthstone, World of Warcraft, um Everything Whatever but Diablo poster. Immortal. <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, they had a separate uh, is... agreement with NetEase on that. That's why. Oh, so NetEase is their is like a big internet service provider, right? It's a Chinese company. So the way not to go too deep into this because I think you're going to cover this next week. But you can't just say, "Hey, I want to start selling my stuff in China." Like it's not like you know France or 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 Singapore. You have to partner with a Chinese company in order to sell your 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 goods and in game case you've got a couple choices tencent and netties being the, the the main ones so blizzard wants to sell their ip in china they have, they have to have a partner their partner was netties i don't know what happened you thought you know one would think that they were very much uh in lockstep because they co-developed diablo immortal but i guess there was a disagreement there was some drama they kind of said that that they were being bullied by blizzard i mean who's to say um but uh yeah all, all the services are going dark. So yeah, and, uh, well, and where I, the reason why I think that this is important to bring up, particularly on a wild podcast, is that um, the China servers, like by far and away, the largest wild population of any server. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we we joke like here in NA, at the end of any month, like how many people in Legend Schmoopy you would know because you've done the census like four thousand maybe four thousand five thousand tops on a busy month about right? eight or nine maybe in EU and in then... China what are you at twenty thousand forty thousand like it's it's insane right yeah it's I, crazy. I mean it's and we we joke a lot because I think especially you and I like these very consistent lists and the the lists coming out of the China server are like they're very creative. they're wacky. No, they're creative, Nate. Let's not let our biases inform our opinion on their janky decks. I, I mean, creative decks. <laughs> I love them. I, I will tell you, I think my one of my earliest, uh, like, I, I love the Chinese deck list. They're, they're very creative. Um, I am not a big fan of, like, one-ofs and decks, but they have discovered so many different synergies and combos and, and things that you wouldn't think of. Like, they're very creative, and I enjoy that. Miracle um, Rogue's the latest example. I mean, they, they had the perfect 30. We adopted their 30. The the Not the current one, which is a bit of an iteration, but the Maestro one with the Knolls. Like, that was... Mm-hmm. That was from a Chinese meta report. I mean, so they there's a lot of when you got that many people, there's going to be a talented player base, and in a talented player base, you're going to get innovation. And uh, yeah, it's kind of sad to see that go. Um, they they said something that um, the the partnerships counted for like less than three percent of their total revenue, which hmm. is kind of an interesting kind of side comment because it's like it 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 would seem like NetEase as the partner which exists by design to basically be the middleman and skim was maybe skimming more than they like so think about it 10 times the player base 
3% of the revenue, something doesn't add up, well, right? So, but who knows if that's like, I think like they're kind of pointing fingers at each other and, and who's to say, you know, I mean, like as much as I, you know, we might be inclined to take Blizzard Activision's word for it. Um, there have been a lot of, um, you know, areas where one would question, um, you know, there's a you know trust issue there a little bit so but who knows like i i think that they're they're belligerents right there's no protagonist and antagonist so um well yeah. here's the crazy piece right so the way that uh digital ips work right is you you don't own the cards like you have a license to the cards like you 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 know you open a it's not like physical magic or, or cards or whatever like where you open a pack and you own the physical item here like you're adding things to your collection but you don't own it like you have a license to it and they revoke the license like your collection is gone bye bye and and that's it and the way that it's blizzard scary. has these accounts set up right is that they don't transfer across regions and so if i have an account in na that's a full collection and then i go make an eu account or i log into eu like i got no cards and so for all of these players from China, like, cool, I can go make an NA account or an EU account or whatever, but then you've got no cards. Like, I would be livid. Even and, then, you, you're not not supposed to. Like, you, you'd have to use a VPN, and, like, it's kind of, like, not, like... Well, I'm sure they have other regulations. Uh, it's not technically. It's a gray... Let's say it's a gray area, legally. But but even still, even if it wasn't, you're, you're right. And, and, and it's, it's an important thing to keep in mind. Like, we've had our collections, in many cases, going on like, 10 years. It kind of feels like yours to have it, like, snatched away. Right? Well, and I, I mean, especially... It, it, it's tricky, because I, I will buy, you know, insert whale noises, but, like, I buy the... Um, the bundles and the card backs and the the various um, hero portraits and all that stuff and that's when i hear about people that are like using bots or cheating or whatever like is it worth it to risk like losing your whole collection over something dumb mm -hmm. but like they just decide well we don't have a contract with netties anymore so your collection is is gone like wow uh, that's just it's just wow i i don't really know what else to say uh our buddy schmoopy daddy um spends a lot of time with uh, the, the Chinese meta report and, and some of the players. And I think wants to talk more about it in depth. I'm, he was going to put some stuff together and send it over. And I'm trying to convince him just to come on the show and talk about it. Um, but, uh, it, and we've got some lore to talk about um, mm -hmm. tonight, but I just wanted to bring it up because it was timely and just yeah. like, wow, this is, this is a kind of a big deal. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens with it. I mean, the other piece, as we've seen, like Spider-Man is a good example, right? I think sometimes, not that this is going to happen here, but companies will like uh, play chicken with contract stuff, and they can say like, "Hey, we're we're going to terminate our contract. We're not going to renew our contract," and then s somebody will be like, you know, they'll make some accommodations or make a new contract or whatever. It's crazy to think a country as large as China, it's just Blizzard, just like, hey, we're not going to have our uh, IPs there anymore. Like, what? Well, I, I think that it, it really stems from the fact that, like, I mean, I don't want to get political here, but they have a very different political system than we That's have true. in North America. And, and it's not even about, like, democracy, communism. Like, the fact that they've got 
you know, that they, they, they view that they're protecting their own interests by forcing outside companies to partner. And hey, we do that too in, in North America as well. Maybe not with like entertainment assets, but I mean, like, for example, um, you know, if China wants to come to Canada and mine copper, they've got to partner with a Canadian mining firm to do that. They just don't come and dig it up themselves. I know it's a very different thing and you, you know, you, you, you have trouble equivocating, but you know, it, it, it makes it difficult to do business and, and, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's tough. Like there, there was that whole drama about the, the Hearthstone esports celebs not getting paid for that Chinese tournament. There was a lot of chatter on Twitter and like, you know, they're like, are, are we not going to get paid now because like they're not doing business anymore? And then someone kind of jumped in and said, well, if you know anything about the way the legal system works, et cetera, you're, you're just never going to get paid at all. <laughs> so yeah. you know, like, it has nothing to do with this. It's just like, even if you won, that, that doesn't, you know, like the, it's just a, a different world. So I, I think that, that that'll be a really fascinating topic to hear you guys uh, do deep dive on. And I will, uh, I'll be watching uh, in great anticipation. But I, I will um, use my executive privilege of controlling OBS to get us on to why we're really here tonight. Um, yes. Something a little bit more entertaining, a little bit lighter. Um, our, our lore. Uh, so um, why don't we, uh, really bad segue, but just wanted to, to keep us honest with time. Um, why don't we go ahead and dive right in and talk a little bit about one of the most controversial characters in the Hearthstone and maybe the broader... Uh, I don't know if Yogg was, was controversial in WoW, but he's certainly controversial in Hearthstone. It's learning a little Depends bit more. what you mean by controversial. Well, okay, well that might be a good segue to have you start educating us, Goliath. That's great. Well, let me, let me... One very, very brief piece of housekeeping before we start. This is where I, I will always say, for those of you uh, listening to the audio version of this podcast... That's great, but I strongly suggest that you watch this segment on YouTube, either this episode or we will record this and post it separately as a lore, um, just self-contained episode, because we have visuals on the screen going along with all of the story. So as we're talking about a place or a character or an event, there will be pictures on the screen, either from World of Warcraft or the art books or Hearthstone or all of the above. And at least for me personally, uh, it's really fun to be able to see the visuals while we're hearing about the story. And so I strongly recommend that you try to watch the, uh, the video version of, of this segment if possible. And uh, one other note is that this is the third part in our series of the uh, lore episodes of the old gods. So in the past, we've already covered um, Yasiraj. We've already covered Nazoth. If you're interested in watching those lore episodes, if you go to our website, there is a special link for lore episodes, and uh, we've got direct links to those, and you can watch those independently. It's a really fun series, and so, um, all right, housekeeping is done. Let me pass things back over to Goliath, and you can uh, walk us through the your uh, uh, the lore of Yog Saron. Okay. So, as is always the case when we are dealing with a story involving the old gods, we, of course, go way, 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 way back, etc., and talk about the origins of different things. 
Uh, you may recall that for uh, Yasharaj, we uh, delved into a lot the the battle of the Titans and the uh, Titan Forge uh, creatures that they made in order to fight against the old gods, and how uh, Yasharaj getting ripped out literally created like the big magic well landmark called the Well of Eternity. Uh, when we talk about Nazoth. We talked about uh, the creation of a whole new mutated race of the Naga and about how he had an influence on Deathwing and caused a whole cataclysm and stuff. Well, today, talking about Yog saron we are going to go over the origins of a huge amount of races that exist within this world of Azeroth. We're talking okay. humans, dwarves, no, Mogu, Tolvir, giants. All of them, this is the story of where they come from, how they came to be. So major lore setting right here. Uh, this is also, I just want to interject that, uh, and we'll get to it in a minute, but I've been replaying God of War at the, like the remake. Um, and it's super heavy on like Norse mythology mm-hmm. and they, they like borrow super heavily here. So, uh, uh, when you, you know, we get into like Thor and Loki and Odin and all of that, that's, it's very fun. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yes. Yes, that's another thing. So um, a large part of this story is going to happen in the continent of Northrend, which happens to also be the uh, setting of, you know, most things involving the Lich King, which is kind of a a fun little excuse for us to be having this episode right now with the March of the Lich King set coming up soon. Um, But so getting to our origin part here, we're going to return way back to the time of the Black Empire, uh, which is essentially what we refer to the time where the old gods uh, ruled everything and uh, in a dark primordial time in Azeroth's history. Uh, Like all the elemental lords were enslaved and serving the old gods and they were squirting out all of their little insect servants and the facelifts. (laughs) Squirting out. Well, no, literally, if you recall, those creatures are literally excreted from their bodies. It's really gross, honestly, but that's how they came to be. Um, uh, Yogg-Saron is uh, known by a few different monikers. Some is referred to as the God of Death, which, of course, we know from uh, his voice lines when you play the card, though not a literal god of death in the sense like that the jailer would be because he's actually in the shadowlands and stuff uh is also known as like the beast of a thousand maws and you know, a lot of various things like that um Biaxaron, uh was up in kind of the very northern part back when all of uh kalimdor was one single continent So what you need to remember is that in the modern uh, period where we have the game, things are all split into different continents. Way back then, it was a Pangea-like conglomerate here. So uh, we have our little map. You can see that there's some different uh, spots pointed out, like the different domains of the different old gods. Uh, Yogg-Saron is the one who has the very top of the continent there, the place that would eventually become Northrend. So that's just kind of where uh, you kind of, you know, crashed down uh, from the void and just kind of sunk and buried the roots down. And, of course, uh, as we've discussed previously, the whole point of the old gods is that they're trying to worm their tendrils down to the very core of the world in order to corrupt the world soul at the center of it, because then you get a dark titan who can destroy all of reality. That's basically their purpose. Um, and Sounds then benign. The... <laughs> yes, you know, it's... Uh, just, just put that as the mission statement for a company. I'm sure there'll be no problems whatsoever. 
But so when the Titans came along and discovered the world soul, and they realized that we need to get rid of these old gods, they do the whole thing, inking out Yasharash, and they realize that causes a lot of damage to the world. So uh, the Titan Keepers that they created, who are essentially these living metal beings that they infuse with some of their own power, um, are waging the war for them. And they uh, battle the old gods and their minions and uh, build prisons for them. Yog saron was actually the last one that they were fighting and was really challenging for them. Uh, according to the Chronicle book, it was only through the heroism of the uh, Titan Forge known as Odin, who is spelt with a Y, therefore, you know, non-trademark infringement <laughs> here. Uh, uh, I love his design. Basically, like, because he's metal, but they wanted to give him a beard. It's basically like a flowing, like, molten beard that right. Odin has. It's, it's crazy. And um, basically, he uh, was able to rally him because Yog saron had some particularly powerful lieutenants, uh, these powerful old god minions known as the Cathraxi, who are kind of like, you, you know how we have those... Uh, the, the bug-like ones like the Akir and Karaji and all that stuff. We have lots of cards with those critters in it. Think like really super big version. In fact, if you play Battlegrounds, the card Mithrax, uh, I believe it has one of those uh, menagerie type of abilities, if I remember correctly. Um, that is uh, more of a uh, Cathraxi type, if I remember correctly. So basically, with these super powerful uh soldiers, generals, lieutenants, whatever you want to call them, that uh, Yogg Saran has, they are throwing all sorts of panic and madness and uh, confusion and illusion into the armies of the Titan Forge. But uh, Odin is able to convince another Titan Forge by the name of Loken. Again, uh, it is spelt L-O-K-E-N, not L-O-K-I, therefore non-trademark infringement. Um uh, uh, and he is very much about magic. Uh, and so he weaves a grand illusion spell so that the Cathraxi, instead of fighting the Titan Forge, they see each other and even Yogg-Saron himself as the enemy. It's kind of like they put put the confusion card on him and it swaps it around. So they think that like the friends are foes and the foes are friends. And that's how uh, basically they begin to fight each other. And uh, Odin is able to lead the other Titan Forge to be able to pacify Yog Saron. Uh, they basically, you know, build the giant prison, uh, clamp down, seal away his magic and stuff. And uh, the prisons were actually designed by a character who we've had a card in the game for a really long time. Well, we've had his head. Uh, Mimiron is. Oh. Yes, Mimiron is actually a titan forged who created uh he's very like mechanical and knowledgeable and uh he designed all of the old god prisons it's like the, this massive architecture project there that nullifies their evil magic and influence and um so far everything is good you know old gods get locked away but there's a lot of damage that's left to the world because they have the whole, you know, Black Empire was ruling the world type of thing. So uh, in order to help uh, the world's soul, the Night and Forge go about to what we refer to as the Ordering of Azeroth, where they're basically kind of cleaning everything up, getting things set up, and they build two important uh, machines, one in the north and one in the south. 
The one in the north is known as the Forge of Wills. And according to the Chronicle book, it says that uh, it would shape the world soul's budding sentience. Basically, that means that it's helping to uh, stimulate and help it grow. It's it's feeding it all of its uh, brain food and uh, helping the world soul to be able to you know form a consciousness properly. And then down at the bottom of the continent, there is the Forge of Origination, which helps to uh, send rhythms through the earth that regulates the world soul's growing form. So you have one that's about the mind and one that's about like the more physical body that it's going to have eventually. Um, but each of these also has a secondary purpose. The Forge of Wills up in the north has the ability to draw on the magical power to create life. Meanwhile, the Forge of Origination can draw on power for absolute destruction, namely in the event that if the world ever became too corrupted, like, you know, the old gods got out again and were unstoppable, then a signal from the Forge of Origination will wipe out all life on Azeroth completely, just wiping the slate clean. Wow. Uh, in fact, uh, in fact, uh, it is located in what is present-day Old Doom, uh, which, of course, we know from the Saviors of Old Doom set. And a uh, little aside is the reason Old Doom is a desert is because there was a point where the forge had to be used uh, to stop an invading army that was uh, trying to capture it, and they did it just a little bit, and it wiped out all what was once a jungle and turned it into a desert. Uh, so that's just what it has on the tiny setting. Uh, not, so don't turn not, it to 11? <laughs> yes, yes. Don't, don't press the big red button that says uh, <laughs> re-origination. No, that's uh, not, not good for anyone to do, uh, unless in the most dire circumstances when there's no other option. Um, so those are some kind of like mega construction projects the Titans go about making. Uh, and then they decide that while they're at it, they're going to build a nice, cool like superhero headquarters for themselves like like their own fortress of solitude way up that includes yogg prison the forge of uh, wills and various other uh projects that they're all working on it's basically where the titan keepers live and this place is called uldawa um uh, almost every titan place starts with an ul something there's old doom uldawar old deer uh it's easy to get them mixed up to be perfectly honest but um this is Ulduar, and uh this is where they start getting to work using that power of the forge of wills to create some other uh titan born um they are formed in stone and metal and for a bunch of different purposes uh i'm actually going to just read to you directly from the chronicle uh this one paragraph uh because i think it sums it up quite nicely here it says each of the loyal and mighty titan forged would play a different role in ordering and protecting the world the craggy kind-hearted earthen would specialize in crafting mountains and carving out the deep places of the world the clockwork mechanomes designed by Keeper Mimiron would help build and maintain the Keeper's extraordinary machineries. The stone-skinned Mogu would dig out the myriad rivers and waterways of Azeroth. The task of safeguarding many of the Keeper's holy 
fall to two different groups of constructs, the Iron Skin Vicruel and the Chiseled Tolvir. To shape the environment, the Keepers also conscripted the powerful Stone and Sea Giants. They would roam the breath of Azeroth, lifting towering mountain ranges and dredging out the fathomless seas. So basically, they created all these guys to uh, be their assistants in designing and customizing the world to be a bit more livable and uh, just kind of shape it into something that was, you know, not Black Empire. Um, and then uh, it was at this point that the Titans, who had previously been kind of overseeing all this, essentially looked down and said, okay, you guys did a good job. Uh, now we have to go back into the reaches of deep space and try to find even more Titans. So we're just going to leave you guys to do the job. Maybe we'll come back someday. We don't know. Uh, but, uh, you know, keep up the good work. And uh, before they go, they assign a constellar by the name of Algalon to be the watchman uh, watching over the world and will report to them if anything goes wrong. Now, uh, this is a guy who we have in Hearthstone as a battleground hero. Uh, and we also have another constellar uh, as a Hearthstone original character with Orion, a uh, mansion manager. Um, and maybe this will make that uh, card uh, have a little more sense. I believe the devs said when they were designing that character, the idea that he's looking through a bunch of different portals and stuff, kind of keeping an eye on everything. And basically, these are cosmic beings who are kind of, you know, like, I mean, look, they look like constellations. They're named Constellar. They're basically, you know, star-type people. And uh, he's assigned with, you know, keeping an eye on things, which is... Uh, for uh, Algalon, sorry, they wanted to have him keep an eye just on Azeroth, make sure that things are going smoothly. And then when they made Orion, they were basically having him keep an eye on things going on in the uh, Castle Nathria. So that's a little bit of explanation for mm. you right there on that point. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the different... Uh, Titan Keepers uh, at various points here as they pop up in the story. Um, because uh, things are going to go well for a couple of... Well, the, it just described as eons, so an unknown amount of just really, really long time, the type of thing, like, you know, uh, to us uh, it would be a long time, but, you know, to, to a more cosmic being, it's but a blink of an eye and all that sort of thing right there. So... Um, we now get to a uh, period where uh, Yogg-Saron is going to start causing some trouble uh, because he wants out and he wants to find a way to be able to weaken his jailers. Uh, and he's going to find a way to do that by uh, getting a hold of Loken. Big surprise, the guy named after the Norse trickster god who betrays the Aesir and helps to cause Ragnarok is the, the one who's going to get corrupted. Big surprise here. Uh, so essentially, when the Titans left uh, to go into deep space, they never came back because they got killed by Sargeras, who uh, at this point had started his whole demonic burning legion, and way too powerful for them and basically obliterated them the titan spirits kind of 
beelined right towards Azeroth so that they could find some sort of body to inhabit so they wouldn't just fade out of existence. And so they kind of merged with the Titan Keepers in some way, shape, or form. And uh, this was something that the Titan Keepers felt like a surge of power coming on in them. They think like they're seeing memories that they didn't have that are from the titans and they're really confused and they don't know what's going on they're trying to ask the titans what's going on here but obviously they're not getting any answers and they're all really confused about this loken in particular is uh having some uh difficulties he's like really worried what does all of this mean have the titans abandoned us what's going on here and uh he turns to a uh titan forged a uh Vicruel uh, by the name of Sif, Syef, who is also named after a, a Norse goddess, of course. Um, Sif happens to be married to Loken's brother, Thorim, uh, who is Thor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and he's the guy who has thunder and everything. Yeah, it's, it's not really... Um, I, I don't even need to explain any of this anymore. It's very self-evident, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um and uh, so basically, he's kind of going to her for comfort, uh, you know, it's as uh, almost like a, a like going to see a therapist, just talking out, man, I, I don't know what's going off with this Titan stuff, man. Yav Saran is able to seize on that thread um, because Loken and Sif end up having an affair. It becomes, you know, a forbidden relationship and everything because, you know, she's married to his brother. And, uh, Yogg-Saron is able to take that and twist it into a dangerous obsession, so much so that Sif is eventually tries to just break it off and say, like, no, no, we, we can't just openly proclaim our love right here. It would destroy the unity of the Titan Keepers here. Everybody needs to be united. Uh, and uh, Loken, uh, so afraid of, like, you know, losing something that's important to him, uh, accidentally lashes out and kills her. And Oops. now he's like, oh, now <laughs> I've done it. Uh, ooh, Thorm's not going to like this. Uh, I know what I'll do. I'll hide her body and tell him that uh, his own, uh, that one of the, the giants killed her. Yeah, that's it. And so uh, Thorm is, as we have in our little image here, which is uh, right from the Chronicle book. I have my copy of it right here. Um, and... Just such beautiful art in this book. Um, oh, it's amazing, yeah. And yeah. this is uh, Keeper Thorim discovers the body of his wife, Sif. And you can see if discovers. you're looking at the image. <laughs> yes, um, he is, uh, like, you know, filled with absolute rage and uh, misery and uh, just, just all of that stuff. And he goes on this rampage against the giants that he thinks are responsible uh, for killing his wife because that's what Loken said and, you know, Loken wouldn't lie. Um, and uh, then it's, like, causing a lot of chaos here. Um, at this point, Yogg-Saron is further getting his hold on Loken because with everything Loken does, he digs himself deeper into the pit where if he's found out, he's going to be in even more trouble. And so... Does so so does Yogg-Saron, because they, they took away his power, his magic, but he has enough, I guess, to be able to do this? Yes. The thing is that they're they're living basically in the same house, is it? Like, Yogg-Saron hmm. is down, locked in the basement. Um, <laughs> so 
that's one reason like just physical uh closeness it's also just the extreme negative emotions that uh Loken in particular is feeling right now that make him prone to that like the little bit of whisper in the air like you know whispers the old gods that's mostly the, the all the influence they can have they try to latch on to people who have some sort of dark or negative quality going on there that they can seize on in a moment of weakness and turn them to their will um at this point L Loken thinks that he's uh he's trying to do the right thing Yogg-Saron literally tricks Loken into thinking that the spirit of Sif is appearing to him and forgives him, says, no, no, it's all right, it's all right, but uh, you can't let anyone find out about this. So, um, you know, my uh, my husband, who's over there killing the giants, what I want you to do is I want you to actually reprimand him and say he's the one who's causing all of the division among the Titan Keepers. And uh, basically, th that's what Loken does. And Thorm gets so depressed that he just goes off into isolation for millennia. He just sits on this big frozen uh, pillar and, like, doesn't do anything for... <laughs> eons of time until he comes up in uh wrath of the lich king expansion so yeah it's that they must have a very different perception of time than we do because that would be incredibly boring i think even if you were really but say that sad for that amount of time um hey, I, I, just a question going back to the original kind of purpose you said that the the old gods exist to try and destroy reality itself I, I can't help but wonder, and I'm sure there's an explanation, what's in it for them? If they're these all-powerful gods, and then they destroy reality itself, doesn't that also include themselves as well? What do they get out of do, what, what do they get out of accomplishing that? The old gods are manifestations of the void created by these beings called the void lords, who are essentially feed by consuming reality. Uh, they want to break into the physical universe, but uh, they are unimaginably powerful creatures. And basically, the old gods are their tiny little project of like, okay, we can push all our power and to the physical universe, and they just manage to spurt a few old gods out. Uh, a corrupted titan is the only thing that will be able to essentially open the door and let the void lords in to consume all of reality. So the old gods are actually, in the grand scheme of things, uh, tiny minions doing the Void Lord's work mm. uh, just to let them in. Uh, it's just, it, it's almost their programming in a certain sense. Uh, they, they would just go back to the Void uh, to, uh, if all of reality was actually destroyed, I suppose. Re reality is what they, they all, uh, like, they, they want to reduce... The world to a state of utter chaos and nothingness because that's what it was before all these pesky titans came around creating things you know mm -hmm. okay there are means to an end I do yes not know essentially cool. yeah yeah that's um that it, it's something that was actually only revealed once the chronicle books came out the old gods is something that was a very slow burn mysterious lore that was rolled out bit by bit over the years and like have it all compiled now and stuff there's always a bit more being added on um and so uh jumping back over to our uh buddy uh loken right here um basically uh the whole thing that yogg is getting loken to do is while a uh, thorm is having his big giant war uh 
Yogg-Saron, pretending to be uh, Loken's uh, dead girlfriend, is uh, convinces him to use the Forge of Wills to create his own army that's going to intervene and stop all these fighting giants and everything. Um, and so he does. But uh, because of all this Yogg-Saron influence, he paints the will. He creates what we refer to as the Curse of Flesh, where all of these beings that were previously stone and metal, and so, you know, they're very hard and durable, they now are creatures of flesh and blood, who are much easier to kill, which is Yogg-Saron's whole thing. You know, it's the severe weakening of your enemy's forces by making them a lot more fragile. Uh, the curse is so powerful that it can even uh, influence already existing uh, generations of Titan Forge who are already, you know, stone and metal. And it's like a disease where they, you know, if they come in contact with someone with the curse of flesh, then they start to turn into flesh. And uh, it's, this is where we get all of those races from once they become the fleshy versions. The uh, Tolvir, uh, we have versions of uh, stone and uh, flesh that we have in uh, Savior's Old Doom. The Earthen became the Dwarves. The Mechanomes, surprise, became the Gnomes. Uh, and we have the Mogu. And uh, the Vikruel, actually, uh, some of them became Vik, just remained as they were. But the Vikruel are actually the ancestors of humans. So this is the humans' origin story in World of Warcraft as well. If we lived oh. in Azeroth, this would be how we came to exist in the grand scheme of things. So, ironically, we have Yogg-Saron to thank, but, uh... <laughs> you know, it's so he's... funny because the, you would think about this mythos normally, like, almost in reverse, right? Where it's, like, the, the curse of turning flesh into stone, and this is, like, the opposite of that, right? So, the, the previous version, they're made out of, like, metal or stone or, or elemental-type constructs, and then turning into flesh is, is the curse, uh, rather than the opposite, so it's it's neat. It's a little bit of a de deconstruction, I suppose. So I, I think it's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. Really, there's um, there's three different types of races on Azeroth when you break things down with the, the way things currently stand at this point in the story and world. Um, there are uh, creatures that evolved naturally uh, from the life force of Azeroth. Uh, these mainly include, like, your trolls and elves, and uh, pretty much any sort of uh, sentient animal race, like a Pandaren or whatnot. Uh, they are, in a sense, you might say, the true natives of Azeroth, in the sense that they just come from Azeroth itself. Then you have these uh, beings who uh, originate from something the Titans made in order to help protect the world. Again, your dwarves, your gnomes, your humans, uh, your mogu, all of that. And then, uh, eventually, you get creatures like the Orcs and the Drenai, who just kind of come in and invade or immigrate from other planets entirely. Uh, so that's kind of the three basic parts. And uh, this Titan origin is a very large portion of, like, basically any uh, human-like race that you have, because we all have a common ancestry in that sense. Um, now, Loken is... As I said, he's digging himself deeper and deeper here. And eventually he realizes that he's been tricked by Yogg-Saron. But he's like, I have to keep going with this because if the other Titan Keepers find out, then they're going to destroy me here. So I have to, like, 
Yeah, he, he's trying to cover up everything that he's done. And he's, he's like, I know. committed. Yes, he, yes, he is committed to this. Um, so he does things like uh, gets a way to uh, seal Odin away inside his uh, place called the Halls of Valor. And so he's like kind of locked away from the world. Um, he actually wages war on several of the other Titan Keepers um, and enthralls them to Yogg-Saron's will. And so they're just kind of uh, walking around the halls of Ulduar in sort of a, uh, a a mindless state, not really being able to have, like, th their free will is kind of taken away here. Although uh, Yogg-Saron can't actually get them to aid him directly in any way, that's, uh, his power is still very weak, uh, to touch on what you guys were saying a bit earlier, like, he can do these little whisper influences here. At this point, Loken is serving him of his own free will because he sees no other option here. Um, but he can't, he doesn't have the power to do the full mind control on all of his jailers. Um, actually, what, one thing that Loken does is because he is terrified, like, okay, I have these fellow Titan Keepers taken out. But if the Titans themselves come back here, and uh, and if that that Algalon guy uh, finds out what happens, ooh, they are going to completely destroy me. So uh, I know what I'll do. I'll take these uh, discs here that are recording all of history, and I'll just, you know, uh, lock them away, and I'll try to edit them so it doesn't show any of the <laughs> naughty things that I did. I, <laughs> L Loken, at this point, invents... Uh, uh, retro, he invents retcons, you might say. <laughs> uh, he invents revisionist history, oh, uh, trying to write things that he wasn't really so bad after all. Um, and that there are some various different conflicts, and we won't get into all the stages. It's a uh, pretty, it's it takes up a significant chunk of the early part of the Chronicle book, honestly. But uh, all that you really need to know is that eventually, um, uh, the Curse of Flesh spreads to pretty much all of the Titan Forge in some way, shape, or form. Uh, Loken manages to uh, uh, make it so that if he is ever killed, that's going to uh, trigger the Forge of Origination. He's basically like, it, he has a kill switch, you know. If I die, then everyone goes with me. And he just kind of seals himself inside Uluar kicks out all of the uh, flesh-cursed uh, Titanborn, and uh, that is how they just kind of start spreading over the Earth and eventually become the races that we know today. Um, one fun fact is that the Titan tier, uh, sorry, Titan uh, Keeper tier, uh, is one of the ones who manages to avoid uh, being uh, killed by Loken, and he is leading a group of uh, the refugees of all the Titan ports who've been kicked out uh, south to try to find him a safe haven. Uh, Loken hears about this, and he gets freaked out. He calls on those Cathraxi that we mentioned earlier. He kind of digs up uh, Yogg-Saron's old generals and resurrects them, and uh, they can tell that Yogg-Saron has some influence on him, so they have no trouble with obeying whatever Loken says, and he's like, go get that Tyr guy. So they do, and Tyr manages to uh, fight them to a standstill. He basically sacrifices himself, kind of releases all of his life force, and uh, that uh, kills all of them. And uh, because of that, uh, the area where he is uh, buried is known as Tears Fall or Tears Fall, Tears Fall Glades. It's often known, and that became the uh, first settling place of 
essentially the first humans, those uh, Vikrul who are kind of the ancestors I mentioned earlier. Tyr had a silver hand that was placed over his uh, resting place as a memory of his sacrifice. That very silver hand in that very location and the legend of Tyr eventually be the namesake and inspiration for the Order of the Silver Hand Paladin. So now you also know the origin of the Paladin Hero Power, in a sense. <laughs> Put your face in the light. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I recognize that. Reporting for duty. (laughs) That's right. Uh, You see the hammer and the silver hand. Yeah, and and that silver hand is is on the the emblem and the flag of, of, you know, so your silver hand recruits and and all of that. Yeah, it's very cool. And I'd say that is about the the end of the first part of Yad-Saron's story. At this point, he has essentially... Hmm? We did have a a little... um, cameo uh from one of the cards from galacron's uh, awakening right varanus oh yes yes uh and the, and the frost giants some stuff in there um, yes as i mentioned the giants are uh basically you know they're uh they kind of work with the uh titan keepers here like uh, thorum had his whole uh he had like a bunch of uh storm giants and they fought against because the ones that he thought had killed his wife were all the ice giants or frost giants and so that's where those all come in and of course you know we have our our sea giant card that was something that we mentioned a bit earlier as well um and yeah, so uh, that's where all that comes in. Uh, Varantis is actually a protojake who is uh, Thorum's personal steed. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, where that card comes in. That is a lore character, um, uh, basically just kind of being his horse. But uh, it's, yeah, it's it's really neat to have uh, a tie-in. And at this point, uh, Highkeeper Ra is the only Titanforge that we have as an actual card in Hearthstone. And, you know, he is not even a direct card. He is the result of you managed to do some crazy shenanigans with the Mogu Cultist card from Saviors of Doom. And I really want more of these characters to end up as, like, really powerful legendaries at some point. Uh, maybe you can do it in the same way, because, I mean, Ra is crazy powerful if you actually get him. Uh, and oh, it'd be really cool to have things like this for Loken, for Odin, uh, for... Uh, all of these other ones that uh, we will say maybe just a little bit about, just kind of going through the list to give you an idea of uh, who they are for ones we haven't talked about yet. So, uh, Nate, I'll leave that to you with the slides. Just uh, go down the list, and we'll give a couple tidbits about each one if we haven't already. Okay, so we we had Odin already, right, that mm-hmm. we talked about. That's o- Odin, like, you know, all father. that's the father of, of Thor and Loki, right? Highkeeper Ra, we just talked about um, very briefly. Uh, and then, um, yeah, so there's Highkeeper Ra uh, that you get, like you mentioned, from summoning the, uh, or summoning them from the Mogu cultists. Um, the next one that I've got here is, uh, my brain wants to say Hodor because I watched uh, Game of Thrones. <laughs> Hodor. <laughs> Hodor. Yeah. Yeah. So, and this is where, and then there's like a subgroup called the Sons of Hodir, which is where the Frost Giants come from. Is that correct? 
Yeah, yeah, the, there is a group of giants who, yeah, because he is, he's like uh, infused with all the ice powers and everything. So uh, actually, Loken managed to uh, defeat him by sticking a bunch of fire giants on him that countered his ice powers and weakened him. And then Loken eventually came as like, you serve Yogg Saron now. And he's like, yes, I serve Yogg Saron now. And that's that's basically what he did to most of the Titan Keepers. Uh, that was kind of their ultimate fate. They're just where they're just kind of wandering around. Uh, Hody basically just uh, kind of ends up locked in this ice cave inside Ulduar, similar to how Thorum is just like sitting on that ice pillar out in the middle of nowhere, feeling sad for millennia. Um, Hodir is basically just inside this cave inside Uldabar. Basically, he's just waiting until he's ready to be a raid boss. Um, he, he's just uh, chilling. Yes. <laughs> Badoomts. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you might say he's, he's, he's on thin ice, honestly. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Wow. Uh, so we already touched on Tyr. We already talked about Mim Mimron, Mimron's head. Um, and then the only other one I had was was uh, Freya. Yeah. I, I had a question about Freya as well. And Fre Freya is, would that be Odin's wife, mother of uh, Lok Loken and Thor, Thorim? Well, um, or, it, or no? if we're going I, I, with the original mythology, there is not any particular like family relations. They were all created at the same time. So you might say, in a sense, they're all siblings. So oh, none of these are, like... Now, uh, some of them might have, like... Odin has a bit of an all-father role. He was named as the prime designate, so he was kind of like, you know, the leader of them all. Until Loken exiled him and took the title for himself. I was like, I want to be the prime designate. Um, and so Freya, she is actually really crucial because uh, we have Freya to thank for the natural organic life on Azeroth. While all the different... Uh, Titan Forged and Keepers were doing, you know, the basic shaping, ordering of the world. Uh, she was focused on the nurturing of life. She is the one who created the Emerald Dream that Druids tap into. Uh, she is the one who helped to foster all of the uh, life in its various different forms, including where all the wild gods come from. So we've talked about wild gods a bit before, like all of those Loa cards from Rastakhan's Rumble, uh, basically very powerful uh, animal uh, nature spirits. And uh, she also created Ungoro Crater and uh, a couple other locations uh, that were basically kind of um, experiment grounds for the Titans to uh, see like where evolution would go. Uh, there was one up in Northrend called Shulzar Basin. There was another down in what we call uh, Pandaria, known as the Vale of Eternal Blossoms. Just areas just unusually teeming with life. And uh, she was responsible for all that as well. Uh, she basically got beaten up by Loken and uh, enthralled to Yogg-Saron's will, and he basically just had her walk around tending a garden in the middle of Ulduar for, uh, until she was ready to be a raid boss. Um, so yeah, I, do that a, was... I do have a question, though. If, you, if we pull back up the, the, uh, um, the artwork for uh, Freya... I was thinking of when this one looked so familiar to me, and the one that uh, I, I kept thinking of was um, Amara, Warden of Hope, from um, I think it was uh, this is from Journey to Ngoro, the quest, the priest quest line or the priest quest. Ah, uh, yes. 
and uh, the artwork looks so similar. Um, and I don't, I mean, it's got to be different, right? But gosh, it oh, looks... yes, different characters. But again, uh, because is this a Titanborn as, as well, though? Is another uh... Titanforged, yes. Oh. Uh, as, Good eye. As, as is like the, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Guardian Predator of Ulduar. Well, what's that one back from uh, the League of Explorers uh, that uh, turns like your stats to 3 3? Like no, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, Tareem, just... Sunkeeper Tareem, the no, three, no, no, three. No, 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 no. no. no we're talking the first one of those. Uh, no, it's a, it's a. I was looking at it. Uh, is it? Oh, keeper, keeper of Oldamon or something? Or keeper? yeah, that's it. That's another example. Uh, it's uh, it's a Titan Forged who is kind of you know protecting a Titan area. Um, it's, yeah, keeper of Oldamon is it? Yeah, yeah because Oldamon is another one of those. Places it starts with Ool, that is a spot mm -hmm. that the Titans made. Um, so yeah, basically anytime you see uh, a large character that looks like they're uh, made of metal or stone in some fashion in a Hearthstone card, that is likely a Titan Forge in some way, shape, or form. And many of them were, you know, almost mass-produced in a way, so they, they have the same basic appearance a lot of the time. Very cool. All right. Yeah, it all ties together. It's pretty fun. Um, all so right. Yaxaron is going to cause a lot more trouble later, but we'll save that for uh, Act 2. Right now, let's have musical intermission. <laughs> all right, here's the fun part. I get to know my fate. Well, I, I know you're the fate master, Yogi. All I know is casting spells and randomness sure looks like fun. Open up your tentacles. I want some, want some. My player goggles set my sights on you. Your hand of fate will do. And fire. With your rod of roasting your gear. All I know is casting spells and randomness sure looks like fun. Open up your tentacles. I want some, want some. You spin me right round, so on, right round. On your wheel, y'all be right round, round, round. You spin me right round, so on, right round. On your wheel, y'all be right round, round, round. I, I got to open the box of mystery And I feel this devouring hunger Push this a little bit closer All I know is casting spells and randomness It looks like fun, open up your tentacles Watch out, here I come You spin me right round, so on right round On your wheel, y'all be right round, round, round 
you spin me right round, so on my ground, on your wheel, you'll be right round, round, round. I spin your wheel. I spin your wheel. All I know is casting spells and randomness should look like fun. Open up your tentacles, watch out, here I come. You spin me right round, so on right round. On your wheel, y'all get right round, round, round. You spin me right round, so on right round. On your wheel, y'all be right round, round, round. You spin me right round, so on my ground, on your wheel, I spin your right round, I spin your wheel, Got that. that was awesome. <laughs> it, it's really hard to get the, the cadence and like the diction to be like on point like that. It's clear that oh. a lot of a lot of effort went into its composition and and performance. Well done. Thank well, you. Oh my god. Yeah, that was great. As soon as the chorus came, I like couldn't even like keep a straight face. I it was laughing so hard. That was so good. <laughs> Yogi. Glad you liked it. I, I had that one kicking around for a while, and I was just like, okay, I, I, I can't just waste this. We have to use this on uh, whenever we do the Yogg episode. So It's, it's perfect. <laughs> All right. So, uh, resuming back to uh, part two of uh, our Yogg lore, we've covered the big basic chunk of story here, but uh, Yogg is responsible for... For one of the biggest threats uh, to Azeroth, actually, uh, from the uh, Druid angle, uh, because you guys, uh, you've heard of the Emerald Nightmare before, right? I'm sure we've mentioned it once or yeah. twice. It appears in a couple cards, like, um, I believe there is a, there's an Emerald Drake that you can, like, you know, it has a corruptive ability and it becomes like a Nightmare Drake and that sort of thing. Yeah, when well, we've talked a lot about the Emerald Dream um, and and Ysera and the cards and stuff that come out of that, and uh, this is, I suppose, like the corrupted Emerald Dream would be the Emerald Nightmare then. Exactly. So, uh, Yogg-Saron is uh, kind of the reason that this whole thing is going to get started. So, we're getting with uh, just a little bit of background here so that you understand is uh so we're fast forwarding several millennia at this point and um we're going to touch a bit on that war of the ancients that happened that we've talked about a bit before where the entire world got split into the continents that we know today after the whole well of eternity thing uh demons tried to use it as a portal we talked about this sort of thing pretty extensively in our talk about uh, Zinajari, because that's when the, it got sunk beneath the sea and all of that. So uh, the thing is that this is a cataclysmic event, like the biggest earthquake that could ever possibly happen on this world. And the old god prisons are down below the earth and everything. So um, 
basically a side effect of this whole sundering is that those prisons are getting weakened a bit. And suddenly, the old gods find that they can have a bit more power and influence than they did before, um, which isn't really a good thing. Um, now, for Yogg-Saron in particular, uh, some of his essence uh, starts uh, leaking out and uh, cropping up. It's this very corruptive substance known as Saronite. And it's I pretty know gross. that you guys know the name Saronite. Chain gang. Yeah. How long can this go on? So essentially, so, the, Ser the Serenite yeah, chain they, gang is, uh, they're basically mining Serenite. They're being forced to mine it. Um, so my understanding is that the Serenite is is the blood of yogg Saron, right? And then yep. it, it's like crystallized, and so mm -hmm. they're mining mining it? Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, so uh, obviously this uh, card came back out in uh, Knights of the Frozen Throne. And uh, the flavor that's doing for that is because uh, the Lich King, because remember, this is now, now that all the continents are split up, Yogg-Saron is what we now call Northrend. And that's where the Lich King is. Uh, uh, eventually, not at our point in the story, but fast forwarding just a bit to talk about this one card. Um, the Lich King eventually realizes that uh, Serenite has this unique property where it can like destroy both the body and souls of undead creatures. Um, in fact, when uh, uh, Sylvanas, uh, uh, back in our, our previous episode, when we were talking about Sylvanas and the Ma and all of that, that time where she committed suicide, uh, she very purposely impaled herself on a Serenite spike because that's the only thing that would be able to kill her. Um, but uh, basically, the Lich King had like uh, weapons and uh, war machines, and even his fortress, Vice Grand Citadel, uh, made out of Serenite. And so the Chain Gang are, you know, the slaves who are being forced to mine it, so we can build stuff out of it. That's their story right there. I've associated them so much with Shutterwalk that it didn't even like dawn on me that this had anything <laughs> to do with Yogg. I just. <laughs> <laughs> Now, the Shutterwalk is entirely Hearthstone original. Um, it, it is not a creation of Yogg Sarada, unfortunately. Um, though uh, Yogg is all about madness, and so it could theoretically... Uh, it, it, it wouldn't be out of place if they decided to <laughs> retroactively say that was the case. I don't know. But uh, in regards to this back when the Serenite's first popping up here, um, the Druids... Uh, because at this point, you have, like, you know, the Night Elves uh, and the Druids led by people like Malfurion, who are, you know, working to safeguard the, the natural state of the world. And they're finding all of the Serenite popping up everywhere. And they're like, we need to do something about this. I know what to do. We will uh, grow these magic trees that will uh, help to counteract it and get rid of all the Serenite here. At this point, the Night Elves are uh, have a uh, big special tree called Nordrasil that is known as the World Tree. And it was specifically blessed by uh, the dragons, uh, the dragon aspects like Alexstrasza, Nazdormun, Ysera, who uh, gave it special properties to keep it safe from corruption and actually uh, is the reason that the Night Elves had immortality because Nazdormu did his little time stuff on the tree and so they get to live forever. Um, and uh, the, the idea is, hey, 
we have this really cool magic tree right here. What if we took that but put it on these spots where the serenite is growing up and it'll counteract it because it's so full of life the magic that it'll get rid of all this corruption. Um, some people uh, of the druid circles are like, hey, that's a great idea. We need to, you know, uh, send this up, uh, put it in through committee, uh, talk with the dragon aspects about it. They did the first one. They know how to get it right. But uh, this one uh, druid, a uh, high-ranking one named Fandrel Staghelm, who we uh, know all the way back from Whispers of the Old Gods, um, this is long before he was uh, working for them and uh, had the Rage of the Firelands and all that. That's that's a much later in his own story and not necessarily something we're talking about today. But uh, at this point, he's a druid who's sincerely trying to do his best to heal the world. And he's like, no, no, no. I'll tell you what, you know, it's it's easier to ask for forgiveness than to obtain permission. Uh, we can't let this Serenite problem get any further. We need to act now. So he and his followers just secretly under Malfurion's nose, not asking permission or anything. They just take a snip a couple saplings off of the world tree and go and plant them in various places. Fun, um, fun fact. Sorry to interrupt. Anytime someone at work says, ask for forgiveness later, it seldomly ends well. <laughs> I have a sneaking suspicion that's going to hold true here. Oh, very much so, <laughs> honestly. Um, so, b basically, they... they plant the trees in a couple different areas and the biggest one they plant on the biggest uh, serenite spot um which unknown to them happens to be just like right over yogg prison um and uh basically like they, they grow it and it seems to be going well they call it andrasil which in their elven language means the snow crown and means uh big big tree <laughs> yo it's huge <laughs> Uh, it's it's like um, it's one of those trees that's uh, so big it's like a city in and of itself, uh, similar to the ones that the night elves live in. Um, it's basically that that same type of magic tree, and it is seems to be going well for a couple of decades uh, until the druids go back to check on it uh, because they've been getting disturbing reports that the uh, the generally peaceful races that live in Northrend around the area are all of a sudden getting very violent with each other and committing huge atrocities that are not in their nature at all. And they go and uh, turns out that you should have gotten the dragons to give it the whole corruption proof warranty uh, at first because um, yeah, it's uh, it was very susceptible uh, because uh, the power of all the Serenite just gave Yogg Saron the ability to kind of uh, take control of the tree, and the tree is now is just radiating this corruption and driving everyone in the vicinity absolutely mad. Uh, like literally, it's it's the madness, the insanity, and so they they can't figure out a way to fix it. So they're just like, okay, we're gonna have to chop the tree down. And uh, they don't want to do it, but they do. And then it is known as Vordrasil. Uh, it's a name change, which means broken crown. Um, unfortunately, even though they managed to chop down the tree, and the, the Serenite was also taken care of, um, but Yogg-Saron was able to use that tree's connection and the network that it had with the other trees that they planted as a link to the emerald dream because all that life magic that they were channeling to get rid of the serenites and promote life in the area all came from the emerald dream 
Because of that, uh, Yavsaran is able to get that tiniest bit of influence in Ysera's realm, and uh, has the smallest speck that's the beginning of the Emerald Nightmare. Uh, it's to the extent that uh, the network exists where the other old gods now have access to it. So it's actually Nizoth, as we mentioned back in our Nizoth episode, that really does the whole growing of the Emerald Nightmare. But Yogg-Saron is the one who got its foot in the door and was able to give them all the entrance there. Teamwork! And all be- yep. <laughs> and Teamwork all makes because- the dream work. <laughs> <laughs> and all because fans just couldn't follow proper <laughs> protocol and didn't want to get the dragon warranty on magic trees. Um... The uh, the uh, grizzled uh, uh, what's it called again? The grizzled guardian. Is that because that, like it was being driven mad by? by yes, all yes. So furbolgs are these uh, these bear like uh, creatures who um, are related to the wild god Ursok, and uh, they are they, they took up residence in the fallen Vordracil, uh, because they're like, hey, you know, that tree that was corrupting, they uh, chopped it down. Uh, let's go live in that, because that nothing bad can happen there. And then, yeah, they eventually got driven mad by it. Um, so that's kind of where that card comes from. I thought I'd throw that in as well. And what is, is there any, I mean, without going too far down a rabbit hole, is there any story behind Fandral Staghelm in relation to Malfurion or or any of our other, like, memorable oh, druids? Yes. There's an entire book uh, just titled Storm Rage uh, oh, that uh, is maybe, a part of this. Maybe uh, an episode for, for a different night, then. I Yes. <laughs> Tune in yes, next I'm afraid time. that would be far too much of a rabbit hole, but uh, hey, maybe at some point, uh, once we finish the old gods in terms of like long running, we can do like last episodes or something. And if we ever talk about like, the history of druids, that would be a perfect uh, case to explore that story. Yeah, that'd be fun. All right, so we do have, I, well, I think coming up, one of the, the long forgotten mage legendaries uh which i'm i'm really interested to hear the story behind but um oh yeah and, and chogal as well right do we not talk right about yeah yeah we're talking about chogal first actually all right so uh chogal is the leader of the twilight's hammer uh they have a long and interesting uh history which is essentially that they started as a tribe of orcs on the realm of Draenor who were particularly susceptible to the power of the void and believed in this thing called the Hour of Twilight, which is when, like, you know, the void would consume all reality. And for them, that is like the pinnacle what everything is leading up to, the grand finale of the universe that they want to happen. And uh, Chogal is kind of one of Gul'dan's buddies, actually, who, when they're forming the Horde with all of the orcs, He's like, okay, so uh, Chogal, I want you to go and like pretend that you believe in all this void stuff in order to bring them in and uh, get them to join the horde. But Chogal ends up actually becoming a true believer in the power of the void and the hour of twilight. And so when the horde eventually invades Azeroth, uh, the, he and the tribe sense the power of the old gods right there because they're so attuned to all the dark void magic. They're just like there are manifestations of the void here. We need to seek these guys out. Like, they are uh, chained, and we need to free them so that they can uh, destroy everything, just like it's supposed to happen. 
um, yeah, they're, they're cray cray. And, what could uh, go wrong? yes. <laughs> um, and so essentially they're kind of, uh, eventually abandoned the horde and go about trying to find the different old gods and be able to weaken their prisons. Uh, his first stop is actually, uh, Cthun, who saved the details of that story for, uh, our final, uh, or old gods lore episode, uh, when we talk about Cthun. But, uh, after uh, Cthun is eventually defeated, uh, Cho'Gal is like, Wow, I did not know the mortal races could defeat an old god. This is problematic. We need to make sure that doesn't happen to this Yaxaran guy up uh, in the northern area. So he kind of goes, and they manage to slip past all of the Titan Keepers because Yaxaran is like, Yeah, yep, these guys are welcomed here. Pay no attention to them, my mindless thralls who wander the halls. And uh, Yaxaran... Uh, his uh, prison gets weakened even further by uh, Cho'Gal doing uh, a lot of, you know, like, uh, magic, you know, trying to break the wards and stuff. So now uh, his influence is just going crazy. He's now able to take full control over the Titan Keepers, where beforehand he couldn't get them to do anything purposely for him. Uh, he's now in full control. They're his puppets. And uh, he's he tells Loken to reactivate the Forge of Wills and create a new bloodthirsty army of like iron dwarves and giants that are just you know crazy for war, and uh, that's going to be part of you know our conquering. And so that stuff's all going up on in Northrend. Um, this is discovered eventually during the campaign against the Lich King, when everyone is in Northrend anyway, uh, Bran Bronzebeard, our old buddy from the League of Explorers, he uh, is fascinated by anything with the Titans, because the dwarves uh, eventually kind of realize that, you know, they start to uncover their origins as that once they were the Earthen, and they have this connection to the Titans. And so when you have this huge Titan fortress, the Explorer Dwarf, he really wants to... Uh, check it out to see if there's any uh, secrets to the origin of his people that he can find. And um, he barely escapes this life because uh, uh, yogg is there and he goes and runs to uh, the mages of Dalaran. Actually, specifically a Ronin, who is the <laughs> one in charge at the time. So that's another card that we didn't put on a slide, but uh, happens to play into this a little bit. And uh, Basically, through uh, intermediaries, uh, because the League of Explorers and the uh, Kirintor mages of Dalaran are neutral parties between the Alliance and Horde, they're eventually able to kind of get them to work together a little bit, even though they're fighting, uh, because this is, you know, it's the common theme in World of Warcraft of, okay, factions put aside our differences for the larger threats, uh, but we're still going to fight each other a little bit because PvP has to exist. But uh, for the most part, we are also fighting against the same content because it's easier to just make one batch of content for everybody. Uh, <laughs> it's a game first. The game informs the lore. Uh, it's very much ruled by the rule of uh, cool and game mechanics. <laughs> Which is part of what makes it fun and unique, and one reason I like it. Um, but basically, uh, Thorum uh, is someone that you kind of 
like out of a stupor a little bit during some questing. Uh, Loken is actually the final boss of a dungeon, and uh, he's killed, and then he's like, my death will herald the end of, of the world. And uh, Bran is like, uh-oh, what does that mean? And so he's going exploring all the Titan stuff to try to find it out. And all of this eventually accumulates in the Ulduar raid, uh, which is one of the most iconic raids for uh, many World of Warcraft players, actually. Uh, this is the one where all these Titan Keepers that we've been talking about are raid bosses, and Yogg-Saron is the final raid boss. Cool. The very first raid boss is the Flame Leviathan, which is a creation of Mimrons, actually. And it's basically an automated defense force for Ulduar. So it's not really a sentient being that has much of a story on its own to tell, but this is where it fits in. Uh, it is about, I guess, uh, the closest thing to sort of a... Because uh, they, they were really leaning into the mech theme for goblins and gnomes when this came out, and uh, looking for something that counted as a legendary mech for mage that was, you know, kind of related to magic a bit. I think this was uh, what they decided uh, fit the best, and can't really argue with it. It's not a card does I ever really see used, but does its effect uh, on the card? match anything at all with how the raid yes, boss... Yes, it does a lot of, like, flamethrowing right. type of abilities at, in its raid boss uh, fight. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, when you draw it, it does the, the damage, the, the the burning stuff. That's uh, that's basically a reference to one of its uh, mechanics. Cool. And uh, so eventually, uh, what happens is, by uh, defeating each of the uh, Titan Keepers as a raid boss, you essentially break Yogg-Saron's uh, mind control over them. And so eventually, when you come to the final boss, they are there to aid you. Uh, they are basically bolstering you to try to help prevent you falling into madness. And uh, yeah, the, the idea is that it's Yogg-Saron is so powerful that even with the some of the most powerful beings who were literally created to fight against him assisting you, it is something that you are barely holding him back at all. And nothing that uh, mere mortals would be able to handle on their own. Uh, there's actually a mechanic in the raid where uh, you can lose control of your character because you go mad, and then your character uh, starts attacking the other raid members, and there's nothing mm. you can do about it. Because... Uh, it's the sort of thing Yogg-Saron does. Um, but eventually he is uh, defeated. Um, still is there, you know, st still exists in a sense, but is, you know, kind of fully, you know, locked and sealed away and not really a threat anymore. Um, and that that is essentially the last of Yogg-Saron. Um, eventually, uh, you know, there, there's like, you know, little bits of his influence that are still creeping up every now and then, so there's always the possibility there could be some sort of uh, further lore development about either a resurgence from Yogg-Saron, or Back from the Dead, or uh, just like some, you know, latent uh, energy or creation of his that returns to be a threat again. Like, they like to leave the door open for things like that. But in general, that is where Yaxaron's story ends. He is responsible for a lot of stuff that happened, but uh, unless the writers decide otherwise, he's probably not going to be responsible for anything else. <laughs> Did I send you the uh, the image, Blue, for the, I think it's the last one, of uh, the, the Titan Forge, like, fighting Yogg? It's so cool. Um... I think this is the one you're referring to. 
it's uh let's see yeah yeah it's so rad like they're huge and, and it's it's hard sometimes to realize i think like just the you know when we see the hearthstone cards um sometimes like the the giants or or the titan forge or whatever like they look small on the card but then you know you see the tree next to them or we talk about mm -hmm. it and you're like oh it's actually humongous yeah. and so you can see the city here with these three titan forge like that's a uh, uh uh, I recognize them from the pictures earlier, right? Um, mm -hmm. But but you see, they're like bashing Yog down in the middle of of the city there, and like it's just so cool. It's epic. Yeah. Now, one last thing for us to mention is we're getting back to that uh, the cons our old constellation buddy Algalon, uh, because after you defeat Yog Saron, he's the final boss. But if you'd go uh, on like the really hard mode, there's a secret extra boss. Uh, because it turns out that, yes, uh, when Loken was killed, that signal got sent up to Algalon that, oh, time to activate that Forge of Reorigination again. Uh, it's, uh, it looks like we have to wipe out everything. And uh, basically, he's going down to scout it out and see if that's actually necessary. And he's seeing that, yeah, the old gods are kind of out of control here. I mean, they're literally taking over Titan facilities. Yeah, we probably better activate the Forge here. And... Um, he is actually so powerful that uh, fighting against him is futile. Uh, what the fight does is he is impressed by the desire of the mortal races of Azeroth to survive. And uh, he finally, like, he's, he's kind of, you know, erased populations before for this very reason on other worlds, but he never really thought about what the people who lived there would think about it. And uh, now he's like, why are you fighting me? It's futile. Even if you kill me, I literally already sent the signal. It's inevitable. But uh, eventually he's like, okay, fine. You guys deserve a chance to try and fight for your own survival. You can try and stop this corruption yourself. Uh, we'll, we'll find a way. We'll undo the signal. And uh, basically kind of he, he learns a lesson in the value of free will. And that uh, Yogg-Saron actually had an unwitting uh, effect from the curse of flesh because turns out when races are rendered far more fragile and mortal, uh, their drive to survive and the amount of things they can complete in their short life uh, that they're driven to do becomes that much stronger. And so while the curse of flesh may have made the mortal races a lot more physically fragile, it's in, ended up actually strengthening their resolve, and that comes back to bite the old gods, because uh turns out that we're the ones who take parts in raids, and we're the ones who kill the raid bosses. So, uh, the... I don't know how much things would have changed if the Curse of Flesh hadn't happened, but um, it resulted in that they were getting defeated anyway. Breaking the, the fourth wall, right? Oh no, I'm a raid boss. That means I'm going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> Unless oh, the cinematic saves you at the end. Uh, oh, there you go. <laughs> you the story for later. That happens a few times. That's great. What a great story. Uh, I learned a lot. Yeah. The and Curse I love of Flesh everything ties in even from like way back when. And so these cards uh, from, from goblins versus gnomes and, and all of that, like everything loops back together.
Now, I did have one question. I, I We've been at it for a couple hours, and so I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole. But when I was uh, pulling together images and stuff for this, I saw... Um, so say we have the, this Curse of Flesh, the gnomes in particular started out as, as like mechs or whatever and then turn into mm -hmm. like flesh or gnomes. But I saw all of this like in between where like the humanoid like flesh versions had had like mechanical body parts and stuff. Were, were they like trying to go go back or or attach machines to themselves or is you hit there, the like, nail a... on the head you're referring to the mechanomes uh, who lived yes. on the island of mechagon uh which was ruled by king mechagon and uh basically yeah he um th they were all about attempting to reverse the curse of flesh by becoming cyborgs essentially um and but mechagon eventually went uh, like fully cuckoo and is like you know all flesh must be eradicated everyone must become a robot under my command and uh so he he ends up being a dungeon boss because of that um rip <laughs> yeah, and and become uh, a playable race uh yeah and what about Mechadraxis, then? Is that just a fun, for, you know, for funsies? Mechadraxis yeah. is uh, a Hearthstone original thing. Uh, the the story within Hearthstone behind that, because he came out with Boom Labs, is the idea that after Draxis is defeated, Dr. Boom decided to uh, rebuild and resurrect him with uh, uh, cyborg parts. Mm. I, and I'm guessing they're doing a similar alternate version with the new, like, uh, Draxis sign or whatever uh, thing that they just released <laughs> with uh, the new skin. Because you can see Dr. Boom in the background, like... Yeah, yeah, he's in the background of the artwork there. That's, that's So I, I, I don't know if they decided that this is just two different versions, or if, like, they have their own continuity uh, within the Hearthstone team. Of, I, okay, so after he got uh, defeated again as a cyborg, Dr. Boom decided that he would just, you know, uh, do a full-on monster version of him or something. I, I don't I love, know. I love how they took Dr. Boom, who is, like, just a boring NPC in WoW when they've done so much with him in, yes. in Hearthstone. Yeah. Yeah, Hearthstone really breathed life into him. And uh, it's it's done that for, you know, a couple of other lore characters. Like, you know, ones like Bran were already significant in a sense, being the leader of, you know, a faction you can get reputation with and everything. But, uh, you know, like Hearthstone really elevated him to uh, uh, notoriety, uh, both because he's, you know, appeared as a character in several sets, but also just because, you know, Double Battle Cry is something a lot of us wild players want, so... <laughs> And that, that happens with a lot of characters. Uh, and it's, it's always really interesting for me to see what minor character from WoW might become a major character in Hearthstone at some point. Absolutely. Well, Goliath, thank you so much again for, for coming on and, and telling us the story behind Yogg-Saron. Um, it's it's uh, very cool, and I really appreciate it. I know uh, a lot of time and energy and effort is, is put into to this, and... Uh, it's really awesome. So always love having you on. My pleasure. Oh, you know what? Be before, sorry, before we wrap it, I have one final question. Sure. Thing. Um, it, so in Hearthstone proper, right? Yog Saron is is classically associated with random RNG effects. Spin the wheel of Yog, play random spells. Like, is there any association there? Like, with within the lore and the character? Like, I, I don't understand. Like. I don't know. With uh... I believe that it's reaching uh, flavor-wise to the concept of of the madness, 
of chaos. the you know complete yeah, you unpredictability. Know that makes sense because, like with Nazoth, we we had talked about like resurrection, right, and bringing back mm -hmm. corrupted, whatever. Okay, so so we got that, and with um, Yasiraj, it was the same, right? Like, uh, you know, um, it's a very loose interpretation of the concept of madness. Yes, right? yeah, well, like it's I... chaos. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, legendaries uh, are a bit of a toss-up. Sometimes it's. Uh... The effects have a beautiful flavor matchup to uh, a specific thing the character does. Sometimes it's more of a conceptual thing. Sometimes it's just they had a mechanic they wanted to put in and they slap it on this character without any rhyme or reason. I'd say that Gen and Baku fall into that category, honestly. Uh, there's well, nothing are, so yeah, much about that's... Gen Greymane. Uh, there's nothing about like that. They try to spin it as like, um, he represents order, therefore even numbers. But uh, no, they, they they just they wanted odd and even, and they they needed someone to represent it, so they they gave it to him. They've done more thematic, I think, with uh, Gen in in mercenaries. Um, yes, where where they can be a little more. They've got some more options. Mm -hmm. uh, so, anyhow, well, very cool, and I think uh, we touched on it a little bit, but I believe our next lore episode will be. Um, for this Cthulhu. upcoming set, the right. Well, we yeah. So we have one uh, one one final episode for our um, lore of the old gods. We still need to touch on Cthulhu, which we have not done yet, and then we'll have to do an upcoming uh, lore episode for the March of the Lich King, just coming out in uh, about three weeks or so, a little less than a yeah, about a little less than a month. Um, yeah, time time sure does fly, and uh, very very excited for it. Um, I don't know what else to say, but I, I just I I always love these. They're so they're so much fun, and uh, it's just a, an absolute blast. Like going through everything, and um, yeah. Well, thank you all for for being here, uh, and um, yeah. Be, before we sign off for the night, uh, Goliath, you want to share where you've got a bunch of lore articles. Um, we do have all of your past lore episodes posted on our website. If anyone is interested in other lore, we've done a whole bunch of them. Um, they're all listed there on a separate page uh, dedicated to lore. So if you're interested, check those out. Um, but I know Goliath works with Out of Cards and has done a bunch of lore articles and stuff as well. So if you'd like to share, um, that'd be awesome. Yes, yes. If uh, anyone would like to read things that I've written about lore previously, uh, and I do have like a massive uh, thing I wrote, I was going like two years ago about all the old gods and stuff. So if you want to get like the, the full story, if you want to get some Cthulhu, info before we have the final installment here you can find like all of that compressed together we've got things about uh illidan about the origins of dragons um about uh, some trolls and from the rasakhan's rumble just like all all of this different stuff um you can find it at out of dot carts uh look in the the hearthstone lore section uh you can find uh all of the lord guides i have compiled um i have unfortunately not written many new ones this year because life has been really busy for me but i am planning on doing some major updates with the new cards coming out to both my one about the history of uh the scourge and undead and one that i already had about the history of the blood elves since we're getting a lot of new cards focusing on those guys so uh keep your eyes peeled for some uh update if you want some full story on that and the things that'll be our uh topics for our next lore episode here on born of the wild 
Love it. Um, all right. A- any any final words from anybody before we uh, call it a night? Blue Train, you want to uh, you want to pimp your new Instagram account? <laughs> oh my goodness! So uh, let's go. So so Nate Nate's making fun of me here. Uh, I mostly interact with uh, folks on Twitter, uh, which I've put into chat. Um, and I also have the same handle on Discord. So if anything were to happen to Twitter, um, you can find me on Discord. I also just today made an Instagram account because I'm trying to see what what am I going to do if, if I have to stop using Twitter either by choice or by non-choice. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be this. I put the link in here anyways. I had to select uh, L3 instead of B for Blue Train because mm-hmm. apparently Blue Train was taken every other like incarnation of it. Um, but uh, I don't know. Some That's folks very are, creative. I, I'm, I'm impressed. You're a little train. Some people are going to are looking at Mastodon. I didn't set up there. Uh, another one called uh, I, I don't know, Cocast or something. I, I don't know. It's going to be chaos. It's going to be Yog Madness <laughs> if, uh, if Twitter goes away. But Twitter Twitter is where uh, I like to, to interact with folks and given given the opportunity to continue doing so, um, I would I would uh, follow me there. I made one post on the Instagram. It might be the only post to ever make. I don't know. We'll see. Right now, I'm just kind of keeping my options open. I love it. Nice. Alright, friends. Well, thank you all for being here tonight. Always, uh, always a pleasure join us next week um the plan as of right now is to be talking more about uh what is going on with the uh blizzard um in the china um servers and and dig into that a little bit deeper and uh trying to entice schmoopy daddy to come on the show and, and we'll see if i can guilt trip him into it or not <laughs> and, it, and uh no no pressure uh it's it's not like it's the day after thanksgiving or or anything like that so um anyhow thank you all friends for being here thank you for joining us and we will see you uh next week on another new episode of more wild wow butcher that's super hard (laughs) yikes (laughs) more to be wilder